like a well, growing up the way I did, like first time, like having medicine men that are so like you know, well, what Chesawha is what we call them, but um, that's like you know, my grandma would yell at me for saying medicine men, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um. Which also will come, um, you know, we we re- highly respect and we recognize, you know, the role religion plays in, you know, um, excuse me, social relations. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, you, a lot of people misapply like Christianity's like the way we kind of like looked at it uh, when I was, you know, taken into my dad's evangelical church. And my dad was definitely like a black sheep Christian for sure. Like he sure. You know, went out, partied a bunch before becoming a born-again Christian and jail after already being a pastor's kid his entire life. And my white grandpa was a theologian with a master's degree. So, oh, boy. Okay. You know, I, I had a lot of exploration of a lot of different things from an early age within religion compared mm-hmm. to most people because, you know, I had access to such a vast library for one. <laughs> right. <laughs> My grandpa's library was huge. I mean, it's technically mine. I just, I have nowhere to put the books. And I think like half of the bookcases got burnt by my uncle being a freaking hooligan. Anyway, it's a whole story. <laughs> we When we first moved up here, we had this uh, like, hun- like ah, super freaking old. It's like 200 years old, 250 year old uh, tr- fur trading cabin. Like, yeah colonial original <laughs> that's what i like to call them well like this house i'm in right now is like 150 years old so it's like like a like a they used to be taxed per closet yeah this is such a tangent but i have one closet in this house because of that oh, <laughs> it's i mean it's a walk-in Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> Get the most out of it. If they're going to go by number, not volume, you you lead into that. Well, I bet you they just sold that as a room. You oh, know? yeah, probably. I bet you they never got taxed for it. You know? <laughs> Genius. That's smart, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, religion, you know, obviously plays a huge role in, you know, uh, America in general. Um, and, like, I think it's something like atheists only represent, like, 6% of the country. Maybe. Yeah. So, like, when communists say, we need to all be atheists and stuff, it's like, well, you're really alienating yourself from the masses, aren't you? That's um, and that that's people believing Cold War propaganda, too. Like, communism oh, yeah. is not always perfect with its relationship with Islam across its spread south. But for the most part, it was very respectful religion. It just there was obviously differences with the Eastern Orthodox Church and, and its connections to the czar and shit like that. But yeah, a lot. A lot of that stuff is, is the way Parenti puts it. If the churches are empty, that's, you know, the, the communist the repression of the church. If the churches were full, it's people thumbing the, the communist government. And, you know, it's it's just a load of shit. Well, right. And I mean, like the way like China does it, where they kind of like try to like bring it to a materials place, right, is mm-hmm. fascinating to me. I'd like to get my hand on like an English translation of a Chinese Bible. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, I'd like to learn Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I barely speak English well, so, (laughs) you know, we'll, we'll get there one day, but for now I'm still learning my own language and yours. So we'll get there. But, uh, John Fire Lame Deer kind of described it as the pipe and the book. Well, the Bible are inseparable now. So the point is that you can't return to a time where it was just the pipe. Yeah. You are always moving forward where you have to reconcile with how the Bible plays a role in society nowadays. And I just think that was so fascinating to hear because um, he told this to, this is such a weird story and it sounds so fake. My mm-hmm. life sounds so fake sometimes. <laughs> there was this hippie that was a physicist. Like he has like a master's degree in like physics or something like that. <laughs> It's crazy. And this dude went to my reservation uh, as Wounded Knee was going on, like the day it was ending. Well, a few days before it ended. Like, yeah. uh, So he got like to see like the negotiations and stuff like that. 
Yeah, I was so like we're invited. In, so date this is seventy three then. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This would be seventy three. He goes to my reservation, and he gets like this interview with like Henry Crowdog's dad. Uh, well, no, Leonard Crowdog's dad, Henry Crowdog, who's called the Last Eagle Tamer. And so this is how this story goes. This is how my uncle Bill tells it because he was there. He was two of the Indians with uh, Henry. So it was Leonard Crowdog, and then Bill Means, and then. Henry calls up this reporter and says, bring your camera and be here at this time. <laughs> this dude shows up. He like sings a song, blows a whistle. And then an Eagle swear to God comes fucking down. Holy <sighs> shit. Is anybody going to talk about this? This is like in the newspaper. You can go, uh, there's a newspaper.com ran by our, uh, uh, the archive, um, Ancestry.com's archive. Yeah. Uh, so that's like where they get a lot of their names and stuff. Okay. Um, uh, you will have access to it eventually once I get the money to pay for it, but um, which is next month. But this is horizontal <laughs> integration, folks. We're talking about not vertical. Yeah, yeah. This is a <laughs> <laughs> this is on air production meetings. But this by the is way, welcome to like back help. to to Mark's band as part of Chuck yeah, Luke. yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we we're should we're discussing uh, things though. Maybe we should end the cold open, eh? Yeah. But welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkaluta. There we go. Bam. David has a hard time hearing it in this program. We're currently in a limbo phase due to some issues earlier this month that we were unexpected, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're making up for it. So uh, yeah. this is another episode of The Red Deal, everyone. Uh to to uh, kind of put this in reference, because like I'm in a I'm in a podcasty mood. Yeah, uh, we did we did Custer died for your sins earlier today, uh, which David wasn't there, and I'm just excited for everybody to hear that episode. And uh, yeah. for a little clarification on the cold open, we're talking about the Bible and religion and <laughs> um, like how it applies to revolutionary action and uh, how to reconcile religion oh. with the big thing is to understand that your religion is not the only truth. That's no. the most important aspect that I can like stress is that a lot of religions are trying to convey a truth, right? Sure. And so they do make correct observations, but some religions have reactionary aspects or whatever that can be left in the past. That we can move on beyond them. Uh, like, literally, the Quran has, like, it written in, like, the beginning. Like, look, if it comes later in the book, disregard the earlier stuff. Jesus, yeah. it's that easy. You oh, I, I, I had the, this conversation with a coworker. So, again, you want to talk about religion. I'm, I'm a white dude who has grown up Catholic. Like, there's some conflict there considering that, that uh, reactionary elements is a little bit of an understatement when it comes to the Catholic Church. Um, but also, you know, people can use anti-Catholicism in, in racist ways against like, you know, people migrating, um, north and, and things like that, you know? So it's, it's a complex. Well, no, but this out. is, I mean, are you aware of the Vatican two stuff? Mm. Is that beyond you or that? Like you're talking that the stuff that, that came out like, in the, no, I'm talking about Latin. reactionaries reconciliation oh. with. Some of the Catholic Church's more progressive elements. Oh, um, let's see. I t I, Vatican II like bings something in my head. But, like, so I, like, the Vatican II it, is just like not... this concept that at a, I forget which papal bull. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but basically when the Catholic Church was like, well, maybe we try to like accommodate other cultures instead mm -hmm. of forcefully turn them all into Europeans. Yeah. That's when it basically starts for them, and they're like, ever since then, it was downhill. The pain oh, yeah. Made. <laughs> like... Yes, no, I've, okay, so that, I It probably I gets heard into, this. like, Jews live there or something. I, don't I, I, I've definitely heard this in a reactionary context offhand. That's why the term Vatican II is familiar, and I've never yeah, yeah. gotten it's into it It's something they'll just group. throw out, like, everybody yeah. knows it, and then when yeah, you look into it, Yeah, and it's like, what the it, fuck are you like... talking about? It never, I never look it up. Okay, so this makes look sense it up. now. Yeah, it's yeah, no. Stupid. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this 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 makes perfect sense. Well, I mean, you have that now, right? Like like um Francis is again not as left-wing as people are going to make him out to be, but 
compared to no, other this popes. is proof of Vatican II, David. This <laughs> <Yeah>. is proof. <laughs> um, but compared to like you know John Paul, who came out of Poland in the fascist movement to try to you know collapse the the Polish communist state, um, and the reactionary hell that was Pope Benedict, and like you know Francis is pretty strongly left. That's where they came from. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, we don't. We don't need to get too because <laughs> we would have way too long of an episode if we got into the Catholic Church's ties with fascism. Um. In I mean, the I knew it was century. deep. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Um. It's bad. Well, and again, I I, I wrestle with like around here, you know, because I'm I'm from Missouri, I'm from the St. Louis area, so you know, there Justin Regali was from here, Cardinal Dolan was from here. You want to talk about some reactionaries in the church? Like, yeah. Um, and these are names like around here, you know, I like don't Becky know Catholic Hand. news. Yeah. Well, okay. So th- these are some, some serious reaction to Carlo Dolan. I think is Cardinal in New York. Now he's the one that would like host the, that president's dinner thing. Like, right. Oh, uh, my grandpa went to that once upon yeah, a time. He, uh, he yeah. shook Bush's hand there. Yeah. Yeah. So that I, I that's think I've told that story here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Cardinal Dolan shit. Like, Cardinal Dolan's whole family is from the the same different parts of the St. Louis area. There's some out in Franklin County. There's some in West County, and so like everybody around here knows somebody who knows Cardinal Dolan. If if you're Catholic that's in St. Crazy. Louis, that's crazy. Yeah. That's the worst small world to be in. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's not not great. <laughs> um, like I don't want to be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was having a conversation with a coworker the other day about the ridiculousness of the way like the the Bible is leveraged for homophobia and and the thing that I was turned to is a line in Leviticus and Leviticus was warfront rules or Romans right. mm-hmm. so the line in Romans and it's like yeah neither well I but like Leviticus is warfront rules that that puts the what it defines in their sodomy on the same level as like eating pork and all of those rules were so that the Jews could be God's people on earth and win at war it was like cleanliness rules so that you could focus on fighting while your enemies were dying of disease. That's where a lot of the the kosher stuff comes from, right? And, you know, continuing those practices because that's God's word uh, is one thing. But Christians don't not eat pork. We don't care about kosher shit. So, you know, we're cherry picking based on the history of the church and what they wanted to enforce when they wanted to enforce the nuclear family. This is where a lot of good work from uh, Caliban and the Witch comes in on, in that history, too. Well, in the later Romans verse... Mm-hmm. Um, is often a mistranslation where it, men shall not lay with another man, right? Mm-hmm. But or maybe that is Leviticus. But um, Leviticus says will not lay with another man. Yeah, Romans. But it's is, supposed to be will not lay with um, another. Will not lay with a boy. Yeah, it's, it's about pedophilia. <laughs> you know, like uh, it's bad for morale. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, you know that shit. Like you, you. <laughs> The, the idea of of there was this rule written this one time and then in the very work that gave you that rule, it says, no, go by this instead. And you're like, no, the, the other one that, that fits my bigotry. That's no, fuck you. Right. Just fuck you. But well, it's like Christianity. Dialectical and historical shit. materialists. Right. Yeah. We definitely recognize that you need to take everything in its context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That seems to be forgone. Yeah, and for and idealists also, who read the Bible and go, everything in here, true. Yeah, it, exactly and, how it happens. Well, like forty days <laughs> and forty nights. That is not how long it rained. That is a yeah. common saying, meaning for a long forever. time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, everything isn't coincidentally like forty days and forty nights is used for so many different situations. It's a, no, no. Uh, it's, again, it's, Lent it's how right you now. know God is working. Yeah, it's God. Excuse me. Uh, it's it's Lent right now, and and that's based on Jesus's forty days and forty nights in the desert. But it's, it wasn't exactly forty days where he didn't go without days. food. Thirty days in the desert. It was forty days and forty nights in the desert. No, it was thirty days in the desert. I'm pretty sure. Really, thirty days in the desert of Jesus. Mm. It Lent is, is 40, forty days. Day. Yeah, forty days and forty nights. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> What am I thinking of? I don't know. There's maybe he does it down there fast. That's thirty days. But, um, but yeah, four days and four days is just an expression for a long fucking time. Um, 
And here the Catholics are doing Lent. <laughs> here the Catholics are doing Lent, but half-assing it, right? Like this is this is. Oh yeah, like, the fried fish. Oh my. Yeah, God. like this is the like, Catholic oh, no, version don't. of Ramadan, but instead of like not eating during the daytime for forty days, like it was, you know, hundreds of years ago, it's uh, we'll buy a fish fry on Fridays and give something up. It's See, such in, bullshit. In Lakota culture, every four days leading up to Sundance, you do it. <laughs> when mm-hmm. the, that's just part of like preparing yourself for, yeah. you know, the ceremony or whatever. And that's not something everybody takes out. Mm-hmm. Only on Sundance do we go, all right, now nobody eats. <laughs> Sundancers, you can't eat ever. Supporters, you can eat when the sun goes down. And then we eat like fat ass freaking. Lakota burgers. They're so good. Nice. Oh. Nice. Oh. But anyway, we should probably Any. read the book. We should probably read the book. Um, <laughs> so we were on Area 7, correct? Yes, we're starting on Area 7 on page 93. Healthy, sustainable, and abundant food. You know, not fish fries. Yeah, not it's just fish fry amounts of food. But... <laughs> True. Actually, uh, maybe a little bit of fish fry if you're down with some catfish roam. Anyway. Like catfish. Like catfish. So, uh, food is not only considered physical sustenance, but also a connection to emotional and spiritual spaces that have nourished our people. As Winona LaDuke has argued, food security is necessary in order for a nation to have political independence. Uh, disclaimer, because I don't want any... You know, uh, complaints or something that we didn't mention this. Winona Duke is in trouble for uh, helping, like, a uh, pedophile get freaking kids. What? So, yeah. Oh. Not cool. Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Really confusing information, but mm, okay. uh, one thing that really makes me mad about Jacqueline Keeler is with all this pretendian shit that pisses everybody off, mm-hmm. nobody's paying attention to the good journalism she does. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but yeah, Lenona LaDuke just lost a lawsuit about that. Oof. Um, so that's not looking good. Yeah, something. I, I don't remember. know what the circumstances are, but. So something where we got off track from our off track. I wonder if we even got to a conclusion where people know why we were cold opening about religion, but. Uh, it's one thing I wouldn't cold open. Yeah, one thing I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna say to kind of tie it back, um, like you know the same thing like Marx and Engels, we can draw from their work without it being without them being perfect. It's like it wasn't like Engels, you know, wasn't racist, and and that that doesn't mean his work was was not. We read principles in communism earlier here. Yeah, right, right. I'd rather you know. be a slave than work. Yeah, and so the same thing on the religion. If it, if like your religion, you know, if that book says something. Uh, bigoted in it. That doesn't mean like you can't have your religion guide you um, to whatever God exists or be part of your culture, but you got to like throw out that bigoted shit, whether right. it was stomped over later in the same work and you're just ha- clinging onto it for your own bigotry or it was just not stomped over at all. Just throw Look, it out. All so I'm the same saying, thing, like, we can still use this book. <laughs> if we're allowed to take stuff out of context in the Bible, mm-hmm. blessed is he who dashes the infant upon the rock. <laughs> Think about that. Abortion is good. <laughs> so I think that's I, that's like uh, Old Testament stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> but because we exist in a capitalist system, food, like everything else, is suggested to, is subjected to the logics of profit and class inequality. The result is that we are weak. And dependent on processed foods. Incapable of growing our own food and exerting true independence. Had a mute for a second. Despite the United States being the largest food exporter in the world, and third in total food production, most poor and working class people are forced to eat unhealthy foods or simply go hungry. According to the United States Department of Agriculture, USDA, (laughs) Around 41 million people in the United States face food insecurity, including 13 million children. What if the 30 to 40% of food produced in the United States that was wasted and dumped in landfills over 161 billion pounds was given to families in need? 
Food insecurity is not only about a lack of access to food. It is also about poor access to healthy and fresh foods for millions of people. Quote unquote, food deserts are an issue across the United States. From low-income communities of color to mostly white conservative communities, food insecurity and lack of access are a significant problem. And the reason why it's conservative communities is obviously because there's more profit in the cheap shit. Yeah. So the conservative communities aren't like, wow, being oppressed, they're more like oppressing themselves. Well, you got to also remember, too, even in those communities, they're still poor and... Uh, minority people it, like this is the, the the red state issue, right, where, you know, Democrats be like, oh, they shouldn't have voted that way. And like most of the states that quote unquote voted that way are in the black belt and oppressing, you know, rural, poor black people, for example, is is these even these mostly white areas. You know, we looked at this with East Palestine. Right. There's still poor people there and they're the most effective, most affected that than people in like liberal areas because, you don't have the the social safety nets, right? They're ripped away from the conservative politics. So those are the people that like need help the most. They just don't make up the majority in those areas, but they do exist. Right. So reservations are specifically affected. Almost half of reservation residents have incomes three times lower than the federal poverty level. A household of five in 2019 had an annual income of less than 30,000. Like I said, on my reservation, the average is 2000 a year. Mm-hmm. A 2014 report from the USDA found that fewer than 26% of reservation households live within one mile of a supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> it's a while before you get to one of my res. But <laughs> uh, moreover, of those living in extremely low income conditions on reservations, less than 28% live within walking distance from a supermarket. Whereas 64% of low-income individuals living in other parts of the United States can walk to get food. This means half of all Native people living in reservations cannot afford the private vehicles or fuel required to make long trips required to access grocery stores. Even if they do make it to a grocery store, they are barely able to afford even the cheapest food, which is filled with refined sugar, saturated fats, and carcinogens. As if this were not enough, Convenience stores located on reservations lack healthier food items. When available, the cost of healthy diet, the cost of a healthy diet is significantly higher. The solution for this problem cannot be found in creating more access to quote unquote affordable foods by building more dollar stores or fast food restaurants. Across indigenous communities, there is a new interest in food sovereignty. Although peasant communities in the global south Define food sovereignty as a right to control the food you grow and eat. Indigenous food sovereignty movements are focused on rekindling long-standing relationships with the land. Indigenous food sovereignty movements are about health revitalization, language conservation, and connecting youth with elders. We must build a food sovereignty movement to provide healthy, sustainable, and abundant food for everyone. We cannot promote food sovereignty by supporting local community food programs Oh, sorry. We can promote, sorry. (laughs) Vastly different. Yeah, a little bit different. (laughs) (laughs) You can promote food sustainable, sorry, food sovereignty by supporting local community food programs and co-ops, organizing a community garden and seed bank, financing and opening municipal-owned grocery stores, and creating community organizations that feed people. An excellent example of this uh, is Pot Bangers Feed the Body Mission in St. Louis, Missouri. It was started to feed unsheltered people and adapted to feed thousands of protesters who participated in the Ferguson uprisings in 20, uh, what was that, 2016? 2014. 2014, sorry. Yeah. Ferguson, yeah. I got a bunch of notes it, over it. it. No, I know, but not only can I see it, but I, I know good and well, 2014, Ferguson. Again, uh, no, I was just like, man, area. I was trying to remember when it happened was all, because I was like, man, yeah. it's so long ago. Like, I was barely in high school i might have just started high school you know like that's don't 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 remind me that i'm the cranky old man of the. well that was like you know part of my foundational like radicalization is the first it was it was it was one of mine too but it happened embarrassingly old to me and it still took a year and me going to umsel well right like kick in 
I needed so. to see Bernie speak live and then go to DAPL and then I would finally, <laughs> well, that's why I was like 2016 because that's when I really got my yeah. shit going. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I missed the, the, the like wave of celebs coming out and I was, I was obviously in the area for this and surrounded by people of varying opinions and didn't really form an opinion and let it sway all kinds of ways. And then I kind of went, uh, went to UMSL to go back to school for computer programming. And Ferguson is like the South tip of Ferguson is the, like the North tip of the UMSL campus. Oh, really? Basically Normandy. Yeah. So, and then that's all in the airport area too. And, and oh, wow. I drove around there cause I had family there, but I'd always only gone up there to visit family and all my family's moved out of there now. And so I was driving around there, like, you know, grabbing food and being in between class. And I kept running into, um, houseless people. And that is, really how I turned into my radicalization and then Umsel's library happened to have Marx and Lenin and it all just kind of collided. Oh, I'm yeah. Much mm-hmm. very radical place. Yeah. Um, but uh, we should probably finish that sentence mm-hmm. Re- in 2014, responding to the police murder of Michael Brown and many others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, and many others, um, you know, th- this was not like yeah, Michael Brown was a crescendo, you know, there's, well, and, you know, it was the fortissimo in the crescendo, mm-hmm. you know, that continued on to fortissimo. <laughs> and now we're, you know, out of coda and going back another stanza. So mm-hmm. <laughs> to all the, make all a the lot of references. Uh, if you didn't know, I'm actually kind of like a musical prodigy. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> um. But, um, you know, food forests, guerrilla gardens. uh protesting you know city hall and pushing communism in your local elections slash politics are also options you know to start bringing attention to the fact that there are people who need to be fed in your town Mm -hmm. there are people who need better food in your town Mm -hmm. and there are people outside of your town who need that help beyond your imagination i am sure I live in a very winter climate and I know people living in the woods right now. So yeah, I, it's... well, and, and that, that's the same thing. You know, there's a couple things with that. One is, is people will look at fresh foods and how cheap they are. And we just went over the food desert. Why that isn't always applicable. People are like, Oh, I can, I can make healthy foods for cheaper than, than you can make the, these unhealthy foods. And it's like, yeah, no, you just have, if you like, have access foods. to them. Mm-hmm. On top of like that, everything here gets shipped in, so it all has exorbitant dollars tacked onto it because it costs that gas. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, like you know, home and, and again, you know, homelessness, houselessness, it, it has very different character, right? You know, there's there's um, people that are, are couch serving the people that truly just lack housing and they're, they're living in tents or sleeping on the street or going in and out of shelters. It takes different characters, but a lot of those characters, the same way as you don't really have access to storing your stuff or having an address to get an ID or showering and, and, and cleaning your clothes up and being able to get a job and, and, and clean up and maintain hygiene better for that job or for begging because people look down on you for smelling or looking dirty. Uh, but you also don't have access to like cooking equipment always. Uh, how the fuck are you supposed to cook healthy meals in a tent, especially when your tent and all your belongings are getting like destroyed by cops once every three months? You're supposed to go on a raw veggie diet, duh. <laughs> God. So yeah, I mean this, this shit is serious, <laughs> sorry. You know? So it's not just food availability; it's hot food availability. It's also to, you know it's important. Like people know where the food banks are because they've got to go there. And obviously, you want long preservation. Well, and hot stuff, but- food availability leads into my next note: is that mm-hmm. community feeds are the mm-hmm. bare minimum, minimum your org could be doing. Yes, no reason every org should not have a mobile kitchen to feed the people. Yes, my and opinion: this- it should be a standard, and yeah. it's honestly a litmus test to the reality and the um, seriousness in which your cadre, your party, whatever is actually taking the needs of the masses. Yeah. If, if they're not feeding people hot meals once a week, the fuck are you doing with those dues? And 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 even with that too, even when we have orgs doing that, you know, there's there's cops will step in and wreck it like, 
you know, they'll they'll do some bullshit. No, but the thing like is, is safety can, thing or they'll these they'll orgs theoretically have buildings, so, right? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you could have private property where the police can't come wreck it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can use private property to your advantage, or you can get a permit to where you have a legal standing, and then you can sue the police for more money to do more work. <laughs> you know, like there's different ways to use the police coming to attack you to your advantage. Or to use the system to your advantage, because sure, you can't change the system from within, but you can sure as hell use its tools before you burn it to the fucking ground, you know? Mm. Also, we we harp on, you you know, either forming or or joining a cadre, and we feel very strongly about that. You should be doing that. But obviously, there's, there's moments in time, either when people have just fallen out with an org and haven't really caught on with another one yet. Um, or when people are just out there, you know, radicalizing their politics still and figuring out what to do, what skills they have, what they can start that won't bomb out later. Uh, and you do the things like, you know, helping existing programs, giving money to panhandlers, something you can do that people don't think about is those food pantries. They get filled up basically mostly with expired soups and expired vegetables. Uh, give them food that Tons is not of Kraft, expired. Mac and cheese. Yeah. Yeah, give give them food that is not expired. Give them food. That- oh, also think about it. Don't give them Kraft mac and cheese because you need butter and fucking milk. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know how many yeah. times I've had a box of mac and cheese and couldn't eat it. Very yeah, depressing. If you're, if you're gonna go for that that level of unhealthy, um, but at least cheap and, and last on the shelf, whatever. Just do fucking ramens and yeah, that's sodium hell. That's not healthy. It's not really what you should be stocking it with, but at least people can eat that with just hot water. Fuck. Um, but yeah, so there, there's another thing you could do is you can go to the, the food banks and like fill it with unexpired food, fill it with food that is more accessible or more healthy than what you're usually finding there. Um, and with that, I guess, as long as we're between notes enough for you, should mind too, I'm, I'm going to move on to area eight, um, which is clean water, land and air decades of coal mining, uranium mining and burning of coal and power plants that surround indigenous lands have contributed to higher asthma rates and possibly contributes to greater instances of cancer in indigenous communities. The Permian basin in Texas Oh, in the Permian Basin in Texas, an increase in fracking since the early 2000s has led to a higher methane rate and effect of air quality. In the Pacific Northwest, the warming of waters and rising of sea levels due to climate change has affected land and water ecosystems and decimated salmon populations. We have talked about that a lot here and we'll stop talking about it. This does not get into the specifics because they did not understand it to the full extent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went out there firsthand and was like one of two TRM members out there this year to have learned a bunch of this stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, it just, I, it's, it's terrifying. It is mm-hmm. terrifying how drastic things are compared to how they used to be. And like, like literally our elders describe us walking across the rivers on the backs of fish. Mm-hmm. That's a vastly different circumstance now. I mean, shit, half the water looks terrible now. Like it's all disgusting and polluted. At mm-hmm. one point you used to be clear. Yeah, and 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 obviously rivers will have different characters. Some will be clear, some will be muddy, but none of them look good now. Um, and I guarantee, even the ones that are are supposedly clear, they're they're not that that clear. Um, and in the Midwest, Monsanto farms release chemicals into rivers that make water undrinkable and even dangerous to touch for millions. These acts of violence against Mother Earth have not gone unchallenged by indigenous organizers. In 2015, Diné farmers and ranchers in the Four Corners region of the United States organized to clean the Animas and San Juan rivers as they were after they were contaminated by the Gold King mine spill. In early 2016, thousands of water protectors fought against the Dakota Access Pipeline to protect Mine. Can you pronounce this for me, Shingmani, too? Minnesose? Minnesose. 
Minnesota or the Missouri River, which is the one of the largest waterways in North America. Uh, but yeah, it stretches from Colorado to. And we talked Louis. about this river extensively mm-hmm. in that this is the same Minnesota that was dammed up and murdered us mm-hmm. for electrical benefits that we never see. Mm-hmm. In 2019, indigenous people in Brazil, Paraguay, and Bolivia fought to stop the burning of their homelands in the Amazon. Do you remember when that was being blamed on Evo Morales, even though it was yeah. very openly, publicly, obviously Bolsonaro the whole and Cargill the whole fucking time? Well, yeah, they were. What it was was they were sending in because um, this is during the coups. Yeah, yeah, they were sending in prospectors, like literally giving them guns mm-hmm. and then sending them in and telling them to kill indigenous people. Yeah, and burn down shit because literally it would clear room for mm-hmm. fucking um, well mining wagyu operations beef and mining but, and yeah yeah I mean not even wagyu beef it's just it's just beef you beef, know yeah poor quality beef that like McDonald's uses and then China it's where China gets a lot of its beef mm-hmm. and then a lot of its soy um, and palm oil mm-hmm. that's what they're after for uh, vegans and shit like that. Um, and like even then, like a lot of cheap foods will use this stuff just because it's a cheap byproduct that they're just going to throw away. Yeah. You know, why not make money off of it? Mm-hmm. One man's trash is another man's treasure, they always say. Mm-hmm. Uh, which many consider to be the result of deforestation. The 21st century has seen catastrophic assaults on the earth and suppression of indigenous caretakers who protect and defend the waters and lands that comprise the world's lungs and arteries. This devastation has happened in the name of profit. For the capitalists of the world, clean water and air do not matter so long as there is a buck to be made by plundering them. As a consequence, earth and all life that depends on her is dying. And that the life very includes us, es- by the way. Yeah, the very essence of Earth, which is life, I'd say, mm-hmm. has been compromised because capitalism has bent it to its will. We had that quote earlier in the book from the German ideology where it explains the essence of a fish. And, a ess- you know, the essence of a fish is water, to mm-hmm. exist in water. Yeah. The river is the essence of a freshwater fish. The river no longer serves that fish once it is made to serve capital because those are two contradictory existence. Um, and that, that is the fundamental issue with capitalism. It is contradictory to life itself. Mm-hmm. So that is why we cannot rely on it and we must go further and we must do it yesterday around the globe. Like China, if, 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 all of us do revolution. China will come with, I hope. You yeah. know? So whatever your complaints about China, do revolution here first. And set, maybe we can fucking convince them that we're right. Yeah, right. Because like, until we do something. What, yeah. What are, why would you listen to the U.S.? What the fuck is the U.S. doing that's so great? Not shit. No. Com- coming from the mouth of empire that tells everybody what to do and makes everything worse. If you're going to contribute. The number one polluter. Their military is the number one polluter. The Mm -hmm. next polluter is the CEOs. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to criticize their revolution, where's ours? You know? I mean, it's one thing for things that are counter-revolutions or not even revolutions. It's another thing when something is revolutionary and you're looking at it going, it's not revolutionary enough. What the fuck have you done? And that's not to say, like, don't ever critique it so we don't learn and know better and have stances to take. But... That's for like in the org when you're taking an, a public anti-China stance. Who do you think that's helping? You know. Um, well, and you sh- uh, there's a great episode coming out. Hopefully, before this episode comes out, because I, I recorded it before it, but uh, with uh, Sami Soviet, or Soviet Sami on Twitter. Um, and for those who don't know, Samis are well, Sami people are from. Our indigenous people from Europe, the only indigenous group, only officially recognized group in Europe that's indigenous, but you have Irish, Romani. There's a bunch of different um, nuance to that, obviously. Um, But Sami people, uh, specifically, uh, you know, um, 
there's a lot of nuance there because of the dynamics that they existed under throughout history. You have the Finnish gung ho joining the Nazis, you know, like yeah, Norway and Sweden, not great places either. Yeah. Um, Did you see you know, there was there was a, some A twenty four propaganda movie, and I like. I like the Inglorious Bastards type shit. Like, let's I go like A twenty four too. So I'm like, but this was like, it's a Finnish guy and who fought, lost his family in the war. They won't say what war, and now he's out killing Nazis. And it's like, so we're gonna glorify like the the one year Finland wasn't enthusiastically Nazi collaborating um, <laughs> through this fucking movie and just pretend like the war experience of that guy wasn't fighting along the Nazis. What the fuck is this shit movie? And the thing right. that sucks well, I is mean, it looks cool if you don't have that context. Like it looks fun. That's the beauty of liberalism, right? You can like hyper focus on an individual, just to mm-hmm. tell the story of history, and then all of a sudden it's a vastly different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then the the, the worry about you know the context or how vastly different you made that story that goes out the window. I'm telling a good story. All these people matter. <laughs> you know, this is just like indigenous oral histories because we're telling a story. Uh. <laughs> no anyway so you know if you don't know our histories are supposed to be told a specific way and you're supposed to have other people there to fact check you so you don't say stupid shit you know like i do my best to not say anything controversial according to my people or at least according to my tioshbae yeah I shouldn't say not controversial to my people because i'm a little open compared to most Lakota. And that definitely gets me in some heat at home. But uh, whatever. <laughs> my uncle, like, as soon as you, I say who my uncle is, they're like, well, he's legit, but also we're mad at him too. But it's also like you can't be mad at him because it's like, you know, he learned from Fool's Crow, so you probably know something. Yeah. You don't, you know? <laughs> like, Fool's Crow is legit. Uh, the environmental justice movement was started in the 1980s by poor black communities seeking protection from the disastrous health effects of industrial pollution and toxic waste dumping, which disproportionately affect poor black and indigenous communities. However, non-governmental NGO and nonprofit organizations dominate the environmental sector today. These organizations typically deploy a conservationist approach that uses law to protect nature from development. The problem with conservation is that it seeks parity between these seemingly opposed goals as an ideal outcome. Conservationists often try to strike compromise between protection and development to win their campaigns. The notion of sustainability is a formula that commonly drives this compromise. Sustainability describes a desired balance between industrial pollution and environmental health that allows everyone to win and feel good about protecting the environment. However, even when they do win in their campaigns, which are typically lawsuits and policy reforms, conservationists are only able to protect small amounts of land and water, which are typically already compromised by industry. And again, there's there's you know the issue with, with the, the penal approach to stuff, right? It, it only matters once the harm's actually there. So if you're not, you know, well, and even then, really doing so much. It only matters if you give them a large enough fine that it actually yeah, breaks the bank. Exactly. And and when they you do that, first off, the, the lawyer that was super revolutionary and helpful will get all the praise, but like all the indigenous people fighting, they'll they'll go unheard of, and then that lawyer will get like stuck on some bullshit political house arrest. Um Dozinger's uh, a latest example of that, right? Well, and that is um um, extensive conversation I happen to have with Narf. Um, <laughs> so there's everything I'm doing ties mm-hmm. in to each other and it's for your benefit. So, you know, <laughs> please check out the other stuff where we go into this stuff deeper. Um, yeah. Another um, book to talk more about conservationism's downfalls is um Fresh Banana Leaves by Jessica Hernandez, which I, I couldn't recommend enough. Um, and, you know, there's, there's like, a, there's a common th- thread against land back where basically the idea is that because we're anti-Bureau of Land Management mm-hmm. and anti-National Parks, that means we're anti-protecting public oh, land. Jeez. 
And it's like, no, (laughs) no, stop. (laughs) Just stop. You're just, you're ignorant. That's all Mm -hmm. I can say. Bryn from beep, beep lettuce who listens to this show. If you're listening to this episode, sorry, I had to call them out publicly. Mm. They stopped following me. (laughs) Cause I called them out already publicly, Mm. but all I'm saying is hold your favorites accountable for this fucking stupidity. Yeah. Why would you trust the federal government to protect public lands when they have been selling it for decades? Mm -hmm. Zero sense. Zero sense. Well, and and I, I think we even touched on it already in this book, but it's a history people should know about like national parks basically exist to move to steal land. Yeah. To To steal steal land, land. to sell to capitalists. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I just hit by the mic, but yeah, it exists purely to sell. Mm -hmm. That's what those are for. They're not for protecting the land and blah, 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 whatever propaganda you got sold by Obama on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so the whole, the whole purpose is to keep the land suppose like pristine. That's not pristine. Like, not destroyed by capitalism, they'll destroy. It the means shit not out of that. touched by natives. Yeah, not you know. Yeah, there's exactly. a reason why Argentina has one of the largest national parks. South Africa has mm-hmm. one. You know, oddly enough, these all tend to be settler colonial nations or formerly ones. Mm-hmm. You've gotten all the people out of the way to make it ideal to exploit the land. That that's all that that shit's for. Um. So yeah, no, there's no dichotomy between uh, human and nature, and this is why. Uh, we don't like the term, even though it is used in the book and the book does detail like it's capitalism, not just people. But, you know, we don't like the term Anthropocene for climate change, even though it's man made because it's man made by capitalism, not by man itself. We, we don't right. need to shun humanity from Earth. And uh, Rev Left had a good episode with somebody for the most part until he started saying that land back is. Uh, ethno nationalism and shit like that, oh, blood and fa- soil fascism. You know, it's like no, it's but he calls it the capital capitalist post scene or something like that, which it's like yeah. okay, sure, that was an easy solution yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, capital posting climate. I like that. Or you that, could just call me. it capitalism. You know, yeah, that's, I think that's <laughs> this is, easier. This is just capitalism. <laughs> this is how it happens. We don't right, need new words you- to describe it. If you Marx. start calling it capital posting uh, climate change, you'll start getting some libertarians like, well, that's just crony capital posting climate change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly how it feels. And it's like, just call it what it is. Yeah. If it looks like a bird, shits like a bird, and sings like a bird, it's a bird. <laughs> anyway. Um. Anyway. Oh, shit. Where was I? I don't remember. I was on conservation. How about they claim campaigns? Here we go. Moreover, because of its emphasis on concession, it does not provide a strong foundation from which to build power, nor is it capable of advancing a strong analysis and stance on capitalism beyond asking ruling class corporations to practice more sustainable or ethical forms of capitalism. Well, right. It it directly exists to undermine any political power indigenous people could have. Oh yeah, and and then the solution is always well BP like BP is responsible, so make them clean it up. Except BP, their interest isn't really cleaning it up. Their interest is doing the PR, so they do enough getting it clean enough. Yeah. so you stop thinking about it, and they can right, which usually doesn't even take getting it clean enough. It takes throwing no, it takes money paying at some fucking Don dish soap to do your advertisement for you. Yeah, yeah, you it, it takes it takes you know some marketing campaigns and then throwing some funds on some research supposedly for more sustainable stuff. And all it is is it's your own team's research development team to look for another profit horizon, and then you pretend like that's you saving the fucking planet while you still drill for everything. Like, no, no worries. We'll take care of it. We're only motivated not to. Right. No. Well, that's like um, Pete Buttigieg's strongly worded letter yeah. to fucking uh, Northern Suffolk in fucking Ohio. It's like, yeah, cool. Strongly worded letters. That gets shit done. <laughs> Uh, why would we continue to put energy and resources into an approach that has already admitted defeat in the face of capitalism? 
We need a movement that decenters conservation and the NGOs and nonprofits that continue to consume considerable amounts of resources and power for conservation campaigns. This is very ironic because TRN is an NGO now. Mm. Uh, these resources should be redistributed to the people and communities who hold the solutions and knowledge about how to fight for and take care of land, water, and air. Indigenous people. Bam! Sorry. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Where's that air horde thing? I know. Uh, not a, I didn't load that sound in. I just, uh, no, I'm being lazy because I don't want to load it in a third time once we switch to the real program again. <laughs> Uh, divesting from the nonprofit industrial complex is especially urgent given the reality we currently face on a planetary level, decolonization or extinction. And that is, of course, a play on socialism, socialism or barbarism. Oh, yeah. But it's socialism. that it's that we need decolonization mm-hmm. for an effective Marxist movement. This is appealing to liberals. They're not saying any of that explicitly. That's what they want you to infer. And I think it's pussyfooting around, or maybe that's not the correct term. Maybe that's a little misogynistic, mm. but I, 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 I don't know what is, pussyfooting but means. But I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, I was it, thinking yeah. like cats, but now I'm like, yeah, is it? It, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea if that's cat or misogynistic. They're tiptoeing I, around the issue. There we go. And that makes me feel like it's more like cats, but I just, it's too yeah, I don't possibly know. misogynistic. We'll just cut it out of the vocab. Yeah. <laughs> so they're tiptoeing around the issue. I mean, we don't have to cut it out. It's just, no, I mean like it's one of those things best we can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always like have those thoughts like, uh, what was it? Shiesty earlier. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, that's, that's a rough. And you I don't know, think most people know like that being anti-Semitic when they do it. Yeah. It's yeah. Like it's something that's just sort of like, ingrained in conversation much like off the reservation or something like that oh i've i've had to to tell people about the the getting screwed over expression that directly uses a slur for romani people um what oh oh yeah yeah, i forgot i've said that probably even on podcasts yeah and well and it's because most people don't know they don't know that they just heard the expression they know what the expression means and like they they wouldn't even if you told them to write it down they wouldn't even spell it like the like the shortened slur they they would have no fucking clue but yeah i would say that's what that's from you know yeah huh Mm -hmm. well but it makes a lot of sense like when you put it in context Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that makes me like worry about every expression ever (laughs) no for sure (laughs) um we thus encourage everyone to seriously question who we take leadership from in our movements. We recommend that all indigenous people stop taking direction from NGOs and environmental nonprofits and begin to devise a new paradigm of struggle to address climate justice that does not reproduce the traps of conservation. And seriously, take their advice here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Read their book Mm -hmm. and move on. Yeah. Make it better. Yep. Okay. They've offered us what they can, and maybe something good might come out of them again in the future. I don't care. They, this book is a great stepping stone for the movement, and we can do better. I yeah, know if, we can. Yeah, if, if we're worried about their actions now not being revolutionary enough, it doesn't change that this book is revolutionary, and, and this book is written, and they've done that, and we can carry that forward. This book was written before they were an NGO. I just mm-hmm. think it's very funny yeah. how quickly – Things changed once the yeah. certain writers of the book left the org. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, we should all be looking to grassroots indigenous and frontline organizations in the global south who are calling for far more visionary, militant, creative, and comprehensive climate justice programs than those that the global north environmentalists can offer. These movements tend to also have a strong ethical foundation when it comes to capitalism and U.S. imperialism. We can contribute to and draw from these movements by educating and organizing to permanently halt fracking, mining, and all types of resource extraction in indigenous communities. We can use the billions of dollars that are funneled into NGOs and nonprofits each year to create new jobs in land, air, and water restoration that will be lost by the demise of the extractive industry. We can unconditionally support indigenous-led movements and grassroots organizations that protect air, land, and water, 
we can study and implement the People's Agreement of Cochabamba, Bolivia, which we reference throughout the Red Deal, and we can refuse to let capitalism destroy our future any longer. I think that's a good place to stop. Yeah, that that's the end of the section and an awfully good place to stop because it is a call for action. And we used to do the disclaimers at the end of the episode. It may bring them back in another book, um, but that's because we want we to accidentally brought it the- back in Custer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's I awesome. mean, we should do it at the beginning of most series, but I think you yes. can drop it by the end, right? Yes, yes. But the point of that is, is you know, ending every episode with a call to action because this should be a call to action. And I think, I think that section rounds off as a call to action pretty well. And I like, you know, that it, you know, if you're going, wow, I don't know where to go next after reading mm-hmm. this book. Read the Cochabamba Agreement. Read Bolivia's yes. Constitution. You know, there's a billion places we could be studying that aren't 1917, you know, which is fine to study. But if you're yeah. advanced, we're not we're not saying move don't, on. Yeah, we're not saying don't study and don't emulate things from from the Soviet Union. But also like there's China, there's Bolivia, there's Cuba, there's. There's All these existing existing countries, there's existing movements. movements. Yeah, there's existing movements that haven't fully taken over a country yet, and we should be looking at that because that's that's the stage we're on. Like we need to be looking at all these. We can things. look at failed movements that were going in the right direction, you mm-hmm. know. Like, and we should be lo- and we should be looking as a, we should realize the chauvinism that that and bias that that our perspective is going to have in any of these situations. And we should realize that we need as much context as possible. And then we should be able to pull these apart for – and again, this is in-org discussion, not like public condemnation of of these movements because like what the fuck have you done and what is the effect of that condemnation? But we should look at these yeah, movements. None of this is really chastisement. It's more right. of a – the movement it, has been stagnant. It's yeah, time it, to get our heads out of our asses and move on. This includes me. Well, you know, we're we're all working on this project. Like, this is a big revolution we're working on together, and so that includes teaching each other together and learning together, right? And in what environment have you ever been in where people are learning and they get something wrong once and they're condemned forever, right? But also, what environment have you been with when learning where someone's actions are wrecking the learning and they're allowed to carry on just to include everyone? There's definitely a balance between not allowing wreckers and then allowing people to learn and when you approach things as full condemnation as far as like existing socialism movements and stuff right like they weren't perfect they're not socialist enough i'm more socialist than me um how's anybody supposed to learn and do these revolutions we actually don't have a world revolution done yet like there's still more work to do we're all learning you know so check out this upcoming episode where i break down <laughs> Michael Prenny's yellow video with nice. Little Red Schoolhouse and touch on this exact topic. As nice. you can see, you should subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, there, you there, you there you go. Like that transition. Uh, I do I do like <laughs> that. I do good. like that. I do like that. But I'm gonna grind some gears real quick. I do I do want to detail just real quick. Well, we're looking at these movements. We should be looking at what they did right what they did wrong, what they did right that only applies in their context, so we can't really draw from it, what they did wrong, but it's because of their context, and so that wouldn't apply to us anyway, and what they did wrong that we can learn from, and that is how you draw from it. Exactly, and I I think, uh, you know, um, this is a great place to learn those lessons. You know, I I think the study of... um, uh, what's it called? Black Reconstruction, uh, neo-colonialism, uh, especially like going deeper in to Nkrumah and stuff like that, um, and following up with that decolonial Marxism, how Custer died for your sins, Gramsci and stuff are all very important to mm-hmm. a well-rounded study, right? Yes. Um, so theoretically, we've created the study guide for you as a, if you're alone to read off of, or you with a cadre can learn with, you know, and that's sort of like the disclaimer, right? Is that this isn't supposed to be, you know, a soapbox that we're preaching to you off of. This is supposed to be a conversation that you're a part of and thinking about, you know, we don't want to tell you how to think. We want to get your mind going and for you to think about these issues, how they affect you in your area and how you can reapply some of these suggestions where applicable, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, Maybe you don't have a food bank. 
that's something that needs to be started. But how do you by yourself get to that point? And that is a very difficult task. That is a very difficult task. And people, you know, it, it's, it seems like a mountain that is in, impassable. But, you know, we're trying to show you that it is possible. That there are people who have come before us. And there are people who will come after us that will do this. And will see the revolution through. You know, no matter what happens to this podcast, you know, this is just a great place to start learning. That's it. That's all we are, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, that's, uh, you, we have a great discord. Uh, there's the unofficial official podcast discord and then the official podcast discord, which is free. The unofficial official is the new <laughs> Chunkaluda one, which you, you can pay to get into easier, but if you're cool. We'll, we'll we'll grant you permission. We just sort of like sit over and like look at the Lamb's Book of Life on your communism. <laughs> but um, no, uh, you know, uh, basically, we're trying to encourage a community that has dialogues and stuff like that. And Mark's Madness already has a great community like that. Um, <clears throat> Chunkaluda is more about other people interacting with that community. Finally, <laughs> yeah. Seen a blossoming of well-rounded and educated communists, right? Uh, Let a thousand flowers bloom, as Mao said. And Chunkaluda's ultimate goal is to try to promote the start and growth of other communist projects that might not get the attention from Means TV or... I don't know. The real... Like, Real News Network, you know, the... Smaller independent media platforms that, yeah, like, good, say somebody like me works with, but you might not be able to work with. Yeah, good, you know, good outlets, not not perfect outlets, and outlets that that aren't going to give this exact access. Yeah, right. Like our goal is to platform an explicitly Marxist-Leninist propaganda show. Yeah, you know, whatever it is, you know, we're looking at fiction because it seems like people want some fictional aspects and how to actually use fiction in a way that helps materialism. Fascinating. Fascinating. I'd love to see it done. So if it can be done, I'm here for it, you know? Yeah. Um, that said, uh, you know, mass- email us or message us on Twitter. Uh, so at Mark's Madness Pod, mm-hmm. uh, at Bands Island, at Chunkaluta 1973 are all great ways. I forget what your personal is. But <laughs> at uh, Mark's mine's... Madness six six nine eight or something like that. <laughs> it's it's Madness six eight eight three. I I'd never okay. really promoted on here just because I'm just I right, don't know. Like... I, I it's my personal, but yeah, yeah. Right. It's you'll find it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're always liking each other's tweets and retweeting. Yeah, each other, yeah, so. yeah. We'll be around each other on the, on the <laughs> network. <laughs> you can find us. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, otherwise, the email is marksmadnesspod at gmail. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Then bands of turtle Island at Gmail or Chuckaluta 1973 at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I think that's all the promotional aspects that we would want to do. Um, besides, uh, yeah, no, I don't have any you, yeah, donate so- to get wood to my reservation. It's still winter. I don't know. That's about it. Yeah. And, and, and just again, you know, call to action out there. Every one of you listening to this. Um, and, and if you can, you know, begin or join a cadre uh, strongly, strongly encourage that because organization is our best, our best action out there, but everybody's going to have different opportunities from different conditions. Everybody is going to have different skill sets and every one of you as a brilliant revolutionary or potential revolutionary. Um, and you need to believe in it and take these lessons and go forward with it because the role of our revolution Exactly. The role of our revolution is to find a place mm-hmm. for everybody to play their role. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the revolutionaries cannot leave anybody behind. No. We all must go forward into our better world. Mm-hmm. And that that is, you know, part of the purpose of organizing. Sometimes people are going to, to contribute to the revolution 
in their own individual action and, and revolutionary organizers are either going to recognize that action after the fact and leverage it, even though it was an individual action, or plan around that action and incorporate it into that organizing. So it's not like, you know, taking individual action is bad. It's just we need to it needs do everything to play we can. a role in a yes. bigger picture. Yes, but right. every Every one of you can and and do do that, and we just need to lean into that like, for each the other. The act of growing a bucket of potatoes mm-hmm. is praxis, and mm-hmm. it's a very easy start. Mm-hmm. You can go get a potato for less than a dollar at your <laughs> local grocery store and contribute to sequestering some carbon from the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Great start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great start. And, you know? and peels... <laughs> Peels make great chips when, so you don't have to waste mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fry them up. Potato mm-hmm. skins, even freaking TGI mm-hmm. Friday style. Yeah. Ooh-wee. Anyway, uh, have a great day, everyone. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed.